This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. From New York City, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. The Todd Berry Podcast. All right, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. Uh, I just got off a plane from Cleveland. Within two hours, I'm already up and running at my home studio. Plugged in the USB mic, did a sound check. Ready to go. This is like a long, I've ne- this is the longest intro I've ever done without mentioning who I have on the show. This really? Is, this is 23, 24 seconds now. 25 seconds. Wow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing like long. Anyway, Moshe Cash is here, everybody. Hi, Todd. I say that as if people are in my apartment applauding. I don't, that's, it's hard to intro someone without hearing applause. Not that I MC a lot, because I'm, I'm a headliner. I'm a headliner. Moshe, you're in New York. What do you think of New York? You, I just uh, read you were born here. I didn't even know that. I was born. I was born in New York, Forest Hills, Queens. Oh my god! Straight out of Queensbridge. You're like you were in the Ramones, weren't you? Uh, I was in Mob Deep. See, that, that's the gulf of difference between you and I and the way we grew up. I don't even know what Mob Deep is. You go Ramones. I go Mob Deep. Oh, it's Mob Deep. I don't even know who they are. Mob Deep is a gangster rap uh, trio from uh, or duo. They're a group. Uh, you lost a little credibility I did. by not knowing whether there's two or three people. <laughs> <laughs> so if can it was like be- 17 or 19, then it could be like, all right, I can understand. And can two people truly be a mob? That's, That's a question. Maybe it's an ironic name. It could be. No, no, no. There's no irony in hip-hop. Is that true? I think it, yeah, I think that's true. I think that that is... What about the, Biz Marquis? Is he ironic? I don't know. He's, he's funny. He's funny. I mean, I remember watching those videos and going, man, this guy's truly... Like me, very funny. I didn't, I didn't have the like me part. <laughs> He's a headliner That's himself. Um, how long did you live in Queens? Uh, I just want the, your listeners to know that Todd doesn't make eye contact during his podcast. He stares at the computer. I'm not the good at that. You time. want me to make eye contact? No, no, no. It's weird. I know, just, I you are making eye contact. You know contact what it with is? I'll tell you why that is. Yeah. It's because I've I've done a couple of these where it crashes in the middle, and I'm just so oh, paranoid just... of like talking to you for. Five hours, that's how long it's going to be. And then going, oh, none of that recorded. I understand. We've all heard the horror stories, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to trust that it's, it's up and running and it seems to be moving. And in the corner of my eye, I will see whether it's freezes. How long did you live in Queens? I was there for nine months. Nine months? Oh, my God. Yeah, my mom took us when we were nine, when I was nine months old and moved us to Oakland. Why'd so, she do that? Did she cover this on 30 other podcasts? Lack of me- good Mexican food. Seriously? No, I'm just, that's sort of me taunting you. With my old... With one of your old bits. Nah, but there is good Mexican food in New York. Well, look, Todd, you're one of the best joke writers in the business. No one's doubting that, okay? I I honor you as a comedian. I think you're great. That joke's very funny, but it is incorrect. It's an incorrect joke. No, I think you're, uh, I think you're wrong about that because I... I You would. (laughs) It's just, uh, I'll take you to a place. You'll pay, but I'll take you there. Oh, that sounds great. What I mean is I'll lead you to a place where you'll buy me dinner. I would say the state of Mexican food in New York has improved. No, it's, 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 there's some good stuff. That taco truck on 2nd and A, not paying me to tell you this, is, is phenomenal. Fresh tortilla? It's uh Fresh tortilla where the Chinese people serve you um, no, Mexican no, no, food? No, 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 not that one. It's an actual, like, it's a cart on Avenue, on 2nd Avenue, Avenue A and 2nd Street. If it's still there, but it's, it's great. Yeah, man. Aziz Ansari says no. it's good. No, not Aziz. <laughs> the foodie comic. Uh, the foodie. He's the only comedian to appear on the cover of Gourmet Magazine. Is that true? I just made that up. That could be he's true. He's just, you know, but he's good for restaurant tips. I find that um, this generation of comedians eats better and takes less drugs. Do you really? think that's true? Uh, yeah, I don't know too many. 
I don't know too many. You know, I guess I, I don't know. I see dr- some more drunkenness than I. I don't really know. I can't think of any comics I know who, like, like do coke or anything. Yeah, like when that. I envision, like... And I know they're out there, but... When I envision the comics, like, let's say you started with, I envision, like, <laughs> hot dog stand and, and, like, crack cocaine. I was never into that. No, not but, you. But, you know, I think coke was pretty popular in the 80s. They stuff. say that, yeah. That's what they say. That's a real bombshell we dropped. <laughs> Four minutes in, a bombshell has dropped that there was cocaine use in the 80s. In the 1980s, in the stand-up com- You know, in the comedy store, I'm sure you know this, in the back of the main room, there is a little... It's a coffee table, but it's shaped like a baby grand piano. But it's, a, it's, it's not the size of one. And it's all mirrors. Have you seen this? I may have seen that. Well, it's in the back of the... The back of the comedy store is like a real tripped out uh, dressing room. It's like, you know, there's a bar back there and there's a little... You know, there's couches everywhere. You just imagine the amount of, like, prior DNA that's in there. But anyway, the mirrored baby grand piano coffee table is just scratched to hell with what you imagine is just mountains of genius producing cocaine that (laughs) occurred in the 1980s. Jim Carrey and Richard Pryor just, you know, hashing out who's going to do that bit that night. They should, uh, what's that when you, when you, uh, when you fix furniture? Refurbish? Oh yeah. No, but the, you, you figure... I know, there's history there. Yeah, there's history in those lines, in those yeah, house I hope marks. they should keep the blood also the, from... The, yeah. The, the, the nose blood. They should. I hope they didn't clean that off. Let's all hope. So you moved to Oakland for how long? I've been, I was there my whole life, until I moved to L.A. Wow. I've only been to Oakland a couple of times. The airport. You never performed in Oakland? I don't think I've ever done a show in Oakland. My, my stand-up special, my hour special... Oh, that's right. ...is... Performed in Oakland, California. That's Comedy Central. No, I I sold it to Netflix. You almost said I wish, didn't you? No, I didn't. I didn't. I'm going to tell Comedy Central that I'm I said tell I Netflix didn't wish. That you said I wish. No, I no. I know you didn't say. I, I'm happy. I misinterpreted that. I'm very happy with where it landed. Actually, no, Netflix is great. I think it's good, man. I, it's got this weird slow burn to do a special. I don't know what it's like to do a special on Comedy Central. You may, perhaps you know. I see that you have a Comedy Central towel and cookie jar. <laughs> so I think maybe. You oh man, <laughs> you didn't need to. Uh, oh no, you didn't need to go there. Wait, I'm not insulting oh, I you. I know it's true. You, I, I, you I, I pathetic. Comedian having done multiple specials oh, no, on Comedy Central. Go. Get out of here. Now, now we're back. We're yeah. back in the saddle. <laughs> but uh, Netflix has this cool slow burn. Like, you know, your Comedy Central special debuts. Uh, you know, I have a lot of friends that have done them. And then it's on. They play it a few times. And then it is played less. It's not, not played at all. But Netflix, like, there's not a big hoopla at the beginning. It's sort of like you're like, it's on. And no, one's, no one cares. And then slowly over time, it's been, I think, almost a year year more and more people at the shows are you know when i mention the special they cheer or they're calling out bits from the oh, this is constant by the way just calling out bits it's constant. but what i'm saying is like it's got this life because it's just always there that more and more people are there because of the special and referencing it it's pretty cool did you um do you get the numbers like how many people are watching it they don't give us numbers but I can feel it in the in the shows. You know what I mean. Really? But if you, by the way, if you don't have Netflix, I'm looking I at do the have mic Netflix. right now. But if someone does, it's not just you listening to the podcast. Oh, right? I didn't realize. I thought you were talking to me directly. No, I'm doing. If one doesn't have Netflix, if, if one doesn't, have, if a listener to the Todd Berry podcast doesn't have Netflix, yeah, it's available do? as a CD DVD combo that you can purchase today at Amazon. Various now, retailers. Now, who put that out? Uh, New Wave Entertainment. New Wave. Wow. Yeah. You covered your bases there, man. I truly am. Do you bring product on the road to sell? I do. I bring my book and I bring my, my, my the DVD-CD combo. It's a pain in the ass to you bringing stuff. The worst. Do you I ran out anything? on my last tour. Oh, you do sell stuff? Yeah, I sell CDs. Sometimes I sell posters. Really? Yeah. You're such a purist, though. It's hard for me. I, I, do you ever feel like a shill sitting out there? I Sometimes when I... like. Sometimes you'll go, hey, can you get someone to help handle the money for my merch? And they'll be like, yeah, it's it's X amount of dollars. And you're like, well, I might sell six of them. I know. So I don't want to spend $50. So then I'll just do the money myself. But then it feels it does feel weird. Well, what do you think of this? I, um, but I'd rather have the money than I'll take the money over feeling weird. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. We are, are we not Jews? Um, d- what do you think of this? Thursday night. I'm at Caroline's this weekend. Oh, yeah, that's right. I with Natasha Leggero. Yeah. And Thursday night, the, the, uh, the room was half empty. Uh, it was good. It was great. And the show was really nice, but it was not full. 
I sold out. I brought a case of books. I sold every single book. They're twenty five dollars really? a, a piece. I sold every piece of merchandise I had. The next day, it was uh, Friday night, um, uh, and it was, I, so anyway, the point is, last night was the, we were sold out both shows. The first show, great show, sold out. I mean, to the gills. Not I sold one piece of merchandise. That doesn't surprise me. What do you think that I, is? I've talked about this before. I don't know where. One of my many interviews. But like I, <laughs> like I ran us out of stuff on my this tour that I just got home from, and I did two shows in Pensacola, which I shouldn't have done two in Pensacola because I could have done one right. rather than two. I, it was one of those things. Where like, hey, it's a small place. I'll fill. It's our first time in Pensacola. Let's see what happens. Let's do two on on a Thursday. But like. So there was small crowds in both shows, but like for the second show, I had already run out of merch. Probably two thirds of the audience just came up to get pictures, and I was just like, I was happy to do it, especially with a small crowd. But I was like, God, I could have sold a lot of shit here. Yeah, it's the smaller crowds, like the Saturday weekend crowds, not going to buy shit. It's very interesting. But the Thursday people are people who go out on Thursday. Who and I hate to say they're cooler. You. Yeah. Yeah. They, it's they're... a little cheaper maybe, so you get a little more, someone who's got a little more money to spend after the show. I just, that didn't sound like it made sense. But what I'm saying is it's more, less of a curiosity seeker and more of a fan who's going to go out on a Thursday or a Sunday. You have a show tonight, right? I do have a show tonight. Tonight's Sunday, right? Sunday, so I'll sell a lot of merch. Do you hopefully. still... But I thought you ran out. I ran out of books. I have the CD DVD combo that is available. What do you sell that for? Twenty dollars. Twenty. What do you sell yours for? I sell. I sell them for cost. No, I. <laughs> oh, you're a philanthropist. Yeah, I give them a. I tape a dollar. Is it so? It's a DVD. What do you mean? It's DVD CD combo. It's a fold out thing, and it's got one CD and one DVD. Is it the same material on both things? Yeah. Okay. Except actually I cut some things out of the audio CD that were on my first album that made it to my special but didn't make it. Does that, What do you think of that? Is that bad? No, no, no. Because, I mean, the way my Comedy Central album special, same recording, the sh- album is shorter. Right. And then you release TV, it's got, here's bonus stuff. And a couple of things I wish weren't on there. So I just went and saw... Meaning it jokes if that suck that weren't ready to be there. Come no, on. It's Impossible. all flawless. What How many say? specials have you done? I've done two half-hour specials and one-hour special. So, yeah, that's a lot. I feel like that's a lot. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I just went and saw uh, Brecht, the good person of Szechuan over here at the Public Theater. Now, you said you were almost going to not see my... You you almost bailed on me because you were going to go see a play, which I understood. You're visiting New York. Look, it's a privilege to be on your podcast. I was going to ask you which... which, uh, so is that what you ended up seeing? I saw Brecht, the good person of Szechuan, and ended up working out. We were going to see. I saw Carrie Brown, Brownstein. Yeah. At this very theater, not positive she recognized me. It was sort of between a recognition and a uh, appeasing a fan look on her face. I don't know for sure. Well, I'm positive she hasn't texted me that she's in town. Oh, so <laughs> another bombshell on the Todd Berry podcast. I mean, that was sort of a name drop bombshell. She's like, literally a block away if oh you want to track her down. I know when she will be leaving the theater so we oh could go God. walk over there and confront her. Um, have, do you know her? I know her vaguely. I met her at a party. She's retweeted a couple of things I've tweeted. Seriously? What can I say? What retweeted? can I say? Re- I, She's maybe favor. She's more of a favor. You might be right. She might have just favored them. Well, that's good. You could have gone up to her and said, hi, Moshe. You may remember me. I, you might you have favored, favored a tweet or two. Cool. You say, sorry to bother you. Yeah, but you've saved me. And I'm friends with. I'm going to do the Todd. But God, I see. I want to get her on the podcast. You should. Well, let's stop right now. I, I wouldn't be insulted if you stopped recording this and went down with your microphone and laptop in the hopes of getting Carrie. Yeah, that would be good. But I would be insulted. That would, you should be insulted that I'm talking about. Wow, I wish I could have. <laughs> I didn't mean in replacement. Of you. I just meant she's in town and I'm struggling. To uh, find guests. Oh, is that true? No, yeah, no, that's no, the I worst part like, of doing a podcast. No, Wait. I just feel like, you know, you're doing, oh, this is fun. Like, I'm enjoying this now. But then you're like, oh, I got to find another one for. It's the worst part. Imagine how I feel. We have to interview black this people. This is why I turned down the Tonight Show. Yeah. We have to do black people. That's my podcast. I know. It's know. I do champs. The, the, the champs. champs. And we interview black people. You put any stricture on the guest booking policy, uh, it's unbelievably difficult. It's already difficult Has without. Any black person ever, like, I know you guys aren't racist, obviously, but... No, we are, and that's what makes it so fun. <laughs> that's amazing that you yeah. get guests. Yeah, we but pitch it like that, Have you that ever had a, a, a guest, potential guest go, that, I think it's weird that you only want me because I'm... We don't only want them. I know, them that. you them. want good black guests. But good, we, want, we want good black. I'm getting very uncomfortable with this conversation. You should be. It's an uncomfortable... It's an, 
I mean, that was obviously the fatal flaw in the whole idea was like, it's going to seem fetishy and racist. Like what? Fetishy. We, that's the word. I was yeah, for. definitely. Well, I don't think we started it for that very reason. It started off as a lark kind of like, well, how could we make our podcast be different than every, because you know how it is like these podcasts, not yours, of course, but uh, most of these comedy podcasts, it's literally the same cast of characters being booked and rebooked throughout the bot. I mean, it's just yeah. like, take the comedy bang, bang audience and they'll go over to, to never not funny. And they're all extremely extremely talented people but how do you get new and like so we thought well if we only booked black people no that's smart neil's a guy that's always worked in black tv i'm a guy that thought i was black when i was a teenager you mm. know so we thought well that could be fun and so we did but the cool part of it is like i would say 75 percent of the people we've had on the podcast have never not have never been on a podcast before well that's 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 doesn't surprise me at the same time. I yeah, see, I mean... If you look at, like, the alt-comedy scene, you know, you see a black guy now and then. And also, just podcast demographics. I would say yeah. that it's a pretty Macintosh, you know, white boy world. So I think it's pretty cool. Uh, and, and and I definitely think... I, yeah, I, I, I don't... I think that whatever weird uncomfortability there might have been as a result of it is offset by the fact that it's, like, kind of cool that there's all these people that have never done podcasts before being interviewed. Are you... Um, have you ever interviewed the president? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but of the NAACP. Have you really? No, that would be cool. That would be good. No, we never have interviewed Barack Obama. Um, we've never tried, though. You don't? You know call, what I mean? Call the White House. We would like to interview this dude for our comedy podcast. You just go, hey, I know he's probably not going to pick up, but can you just leave him a message? Yeah, and then they say, would you like Joe Biden? We can get him. And we go, actually, that's our policy. <laughs> we wish we could. How often do you do these? As often as we can, a week, every week. And it's just you and Neil, and you, do you have an... I should have listened, but... Uh, no, why, this was, why, yeah, why do why would I listen? It's true. Who cares, man? No, I, I did look at your Wikipedia page. Oh, in a you know shop. me. We're friends. You I know, but I didn't know. Wikipedia. I know, but it's always like a refresh. <laughs> you were looking for a little, like... Not like I didn't know your name or anything, but it's just like, oh, it's, maybe it's a little tidbit here. What'd you learn? Anything? Well, anything like, you didn't I know? had no idea you were a comedian. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I do stand-up. <laughs> You've actually done stand-up on shows with me before, I know, so I, you do I know. know this. How many books did you sell last night, or the Thursday? Uh, a case, uh, not that a many. A case? You know, not that many. Like no, 20 or something? 10 or 20, oh, I don't okay. remember how many. Okay. There, yeah, 10 or 20. It's not like I had people clamoring for it. Now, did you just get some sort of a TV deal or something? I did. I read that terrible news somewhere. Yeah, oh, was it upsetting to you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> I was like, oh, God. I knew. Well, that was the one, like, real hesitance I had was I was like, my manager and agent called me and they said, it looks like it's going to happen. And I was like, have you checked in with Todd Barry? Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, you're about to cool give me a this. serious answer about something. But um, what's what, what do you got going on? It's the book, my memoir, Cashier in the Rye, the story of me growing up in Oakland with two deaf parents and getting into a lot of trouble when I was a, a, a young man, very young. And so it's sort of like a dark wonder years is the idea of the thing. That's so cool that you sold a personal story. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So you're going to add a bunch of like bullshit to it? To you know, honestly, that's... Drama, Dramatizing? I'm, I'm going to answer you sincerely on this. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to add a bunch yeah. of bullshit, but not because I want to make it more... Well, maybe because I want to make it more dramatic. Like I was watching Orange is the New Black. Have you yeah, watched that? Yeah, I like that. So I like it too. And what's cool about it is that the story... I don't know if you know this. Maybe you do. The story... Uh, is this is it's based on a book and on this woman you know who went to prison but then all the stories of the tertiary characters all the all the like backstories those are all completely concocted right and i think that's cool you know you I take i think uh yeah for that kind of thing in yeah. the series because otherwise it's going to be like what an hour of them sitting around in a in a well, prison well obviously cell. that but i think it's cool to combine you know narrative elements of drama of fic fictionalized scripted drama with reality you know and and i'm not i don't think anyone's being fooled by Orange is New Black, right. or like thinking he's saying it's based on a true story. Yeah, and this is a true story, and then you have these. It becomes a character, an ensemble thing, and I, I don't see any problem with it. The other thing is, I had some difficulties um, with the book. Uh, people from my past being very upset. Oh, I think and, you told me this. You did yeah, tell me this. Yeah, and um, some people were upset. Some pe someone sued me. I can't actually, literally, can't actually get that far into that story. Mm -hmm. But some people were upset. Some people wanted to hurt me. That I could really? talk about. Yeah, that was a little scary. What man. happened? I had Who this. Wants to hurt you? You're like I don't a, think anymore. You're not man. a fighter. You're not a scrappy guy. Yeah, but the people that I w w ran with when I was a kid, like you know, here's what's interesting about. Have you ever written, have you written a book? Read a book? No. Have you ever read a book? 
I've written four books, never read one. You have, have you written? No, one? no. I thought about it. People I just must don't have, have approached. The, you yeah, to they do have. It. Yeah. I just don't have an idea for a book. Right. And I don't have a, as interesting a background as you. No, indeed, you do not. Um, no, you, I'm sure you do. You're, you're, I am a fascinating guy. You're, you fascinate me. I know. I am you're, interesting. You're, I mean, I like you as a person, as a comedian, and romantically. All three. <laughs> that's wow, the that's real the, trifecta. That's, that's the triple decker yeah. there. Um, what I learned is, like, I, I had a great deal of arrogance when I started writing. Not arrogance. I, I wasn't trying to be arrogant, but I just figured... It was also, like, weird humility. Like, I just figured, like, no one will ever... Like, none of these people will ever read the book. Like, the people like right. the book, they, I, I promise you that the people that fa- are upset about some of the stuff in the book have never read another book. Why, why am I? I'm still saying this, and I'm still talking shit. I'm just saying it never even occurred to me that they would hear about this. Yeah. And you, what you realize quickly is, like, everybody fucking hears about it. When you put a book out, even if it's not the most crazy best-selling thing in the world, everyone will hear about it. Yeah, and also, it, it's not like the guy maybe picked up the book. Maybe someone else picked up the book yeah. and said, oh, oh whatever, you're, uh, yeah, you might want to read page 13. Right, well, me as a comedian, I'm just going, I'm just looking at all these people and my own life story and thinking of it. As Did you change their names, though? Change their names, but unfortunately, that does not protect you the really? way that you would think that it does. Well, yeah, I mean, if I were to do it again, and to any potential memoir writers out there, I would have made complete concocted details about people to make it very clear it isn't anyone in particular and like i i definitely would have done that how's how's that a memoir then if you're just well i'm saying like okay let's say i'm writing about on oprah confessing that you made the whole thing up let's say i'm writing about my friend todd who i know todd berry is a notorious joke thief right (laughs) so i write about my friend todd who's a joke thief right and but i call him bob bob Derry. Instead of Todd Berry, a notorious joke thief. If you can identify yourself clearly, and it's well, very it's, clear. I mean, if, first of all, he's joking about that. <laughs> no, I'm not in any way. Um, no, but you know what I mean? If you can identify yourself clearly, it's like there's no question it's you, Todd Berry. Yeah. Then you can sue me for defamation of character. But if I were to say I had this friend Bob, he was Asian. And just like a couple of thi- a couple of things that you ca- you can go, there's no way for you to point and go. That's definitely me. Mm-hmm. Is it not a memoir if I talk about this guy who stole a? J- not- By the way, Todd never stole a joke from me. He wouldn't steal any of my jokes. Yeah, I don't, we don't. I we don't write. Never heard your jokes. Yeah. <laughs> but if, you know, I'm writing the story. I go. Well, I did have a joke stolen from me. It was this guy, you know, Bob Dare, Bob Derry, who's yeah. Asian and he's from Texas. Just the little details are you go, you're going to come and sue me for defamation of character. I go, I wasn't talking about you. Is that not still a memoir? It's the same story, but I'm like giving, I mean, I wouldn't, by the way, I don't give a shit if it's a memoir. I would rather have people question my memoir integrity. Gets people talking about you, right? I just don't want to be sued. So are you, there's currently lawsuits against you? Multiple? No, it's over. Everything's over. Over? Yeah, it's over. I know you can't talk about it. But how much did you settle for? Uh, <laughs> I know you can't talk about it, but what happened? But what was the guy's name? And, and the what guy's name, yeah. and I will spell it out, and I will do a search for his home address. It's complex, man. When you, you, you what, put it like, okay, I'll give you another example. Like, I went on Conan, and um, and I told that one of the jokes was about the Satmar Hasidic community. You must have run into them in your time in New York. There were some on the plane. Yeah, coming from Cleveland. Um, There's always so many Hasidic Jews at the airport. Yeah, that is true. Has anyone ever pointed that out? Like, I see them more at the airport than I see anywhere. Right, that is true. I don't know. And they're always going to Los Angeles a lot, which I would never think they would be there, but they are there. Well, there's a lot of them there. I know there are. But the Satmars in particular, those are people who are religiously mandated not to read my, not to read a book like mine, right? It's, it is forbidden for them to read a what no specifically how is that spelled out it's not don't read comedic memoirs yeah it would be don't read comedic memoirs i mean not oh not specifically any media anything at all that is not religious oh i see and approved by the by the the rabbi of that sect is is uh, can they read the new york times definitely not really yeah no 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 don't read the new york times i'm sure by the way plenty of them do yeah, but they're not—they're <clears throat> not allowed to, and they're not going to be clamoring at Barnes and Noble to read about, you know, some comedian that you know what I mean. It's that just no one's ever heard of. I mean, a couple. Of, I have a Netflix special. <laughs> I, have a Netflix. I know a lot of people. Slow know. burn. Um, have we mentioned that? Yeah. But anyway, uh, so I go on. I'm making fun of you know these Satmar. I mean, I make a couple of jokes about the Satmar, and 
there's discussion boards on these. So it's like, you know, they're linking to the Conan clip. They're not allowed to watch Conan. They're literally not wow. allowed to watch Conan, but they're linking to the clip. They're talking shit. You know what I mean? And like, and then like third party people are going to my stepmom going, what's up with this book? My stepmom who's still sort of involved in that world. What's up with this book? You know? So it's very interesting the way that memoirs or books or something like everybody will find the information. Right. You know what I mean? So there's one, I'll tell you this story, which I'm sure you haven't read the book. Thanks, Todd. Um, I'll, I'll read any book that someone gives me a, for free. a free copy of, and then even then I won't read it. And even then, probably <laughs> definitely not. Well, this you is, were like William Faulkner, and you threw a, a copy of As I Lay Dying in front of me. <laughs> you might not read I, it. Just out of respect, I would, I would probably read the first three chapters that I should have read in college. That's how I knew the book. Go ahead. Um, at my, there was this guy at my bar mitzvah. Uh, I had I had a pretty bad bar mitzvah. Do you have a bar mitzvah? I had a quickie bar mitzvah. I had a quickie too. Uh, you mean religiously quickie? I mean, no, I don't mean I. I had sex. With no, no, no. I mean, quickly. you didn't read the whole thing. I did it all phonetically. I like six. Like no one was pressuring me to have a bar yeah. mitzvah. My brother didn't have one, and it was one of those things. Like, what if I'm sixteen? And or what if uh, the next day after my birthday I realized I didn't? I regret not doing this. So I said I want to do it, and then I did a quickie immersion course where I read things phonetically. It was kind of a it was kind of a sham. Everything's a sham. But also, it wasn't a thing where I like invited. I didn't make any money off it. I didn't have like a. Oh, I, you didn't. I didn't do it like at the Orange Bowl or something. Right. And, and hire. I made some. Mark Kelly to. Mark Kelly. He was huge when you were thirteen, <laughs> know, right? That was a bad example. Um. So, but I had a very strange bar mitzvah because my dad was so very religious. But he wasn't. He hadn't always been religious. He grew up in this neighborhood, um, and he was like a modern art, uh, abstract impressionist painter, and a weirdo, and a freak, and a beatnik. And then when he got older, my mom left him. He became very religious, and um, then he married this woman who's from the Satmar Chassid, and my stepmom, who blah blah blah. So anyway, I had this bar mitzvah. He didn't invite. This is sort of bad, but he wouldn't invite my mom, my mother. He was like, let's not do that. She'd be uncomfortable. And at the time, I was so young, I go, yeah, yeah, she'd be uncomfortable. But now I realize. Like, yeah, it's like, it's my, still my mom. It's my mom. Why don't get we just, through the discomfort. Yeah. Let's invite her. It's already and, uncomfortable. It's a bar mitzvah. Yeah. So <clears throat> not only did my mom not get invited, none of my friends got invited. I didn't know anyone um, at the bar mitzvah. It was literally just people from the Hasidic neighborhood, old men from the Hasidic neighborhood who my dad invited. My dad was twisted up about religion, you know, so his idea of religion was because he was an artist and he was a deaf, he was deaf. So he didn't, he wasn't super engaged in the, in the religiosity of the thing. He was more like engaged in truly in the aesthetics of the thing. Like it really turned him on aesthetically. Like, you know, the, the look oh, really? and the, and the, and the, the, the coats and everything, the coats and the oldness and the, you know, the, just the way things looked, he was very into the way things look. So anyway, so in his mind, the bar mitzvahs that he went to because he was so religious at this point, they looked like old men, you know, a, a curtain down the middle, men on one side, women on the other, people from the Hasidic neighborhood. That's what it looked like. So that's who he invited. But I didn't even, I mean, I'm 13. I live in Oakland. I come back to New York for the summer. I don't know any of these people. Right. So it's just literally strangers. And, um, and my brother's was worse than mine because the musical entertainment, I don't know if you know this, but Hasidic entertainment is like real bad. Let me pretend that surprises me. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I don't. I, really? All right. If you say so, I'll take the, your word on this that. This will surprise you, though. It's so bad that if a Hasidic uh, musical artist makes an album and they have too much musicality to their album, the rabbi will say, no, that sounds like secular music. Really? Uh, even if he's singing like God, God, Torah, Torah, God, it's all about being Jewish and super religious. But the melody literally is just like nice and, you know, right. beautiful. You look like you have skills. It sounds like that sounds like Western music. Wow. So they will literally say, I've, I've heard of this. They make an album. They turn it in. The rabbi listens to it. No, take it away. Add synthesized polka sounding music. I mean, and that's literally the truth. I mean, synthesize. Like take off all the reverb off those vocals. Yeah, no, and add synthesized polka sounding music. It literally is synthesized polka sounding yeah. music. So my brother's bar mitzvah, it, the entertainment was literally one man with a keyboard playing like preset, you know, preset beats, and then and then singing in Yiddish. So one old man with a beard singing in Yiddish with a one keyboard. My dad decided to do something special for me. <clears throat> He got the old man with the beard, but he got, there was a guy in the neighborhood 
name, this guy named Mordechai ben David. He's going to see you. Have you ever? No, because I've taught. This is all out in the okay. book, and 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 this is true. This is the thing that you can get sued for. Is if you say something about someone that is not demonstratively true, and also is damaging to that person's reputation, uh, then you can be sued. But I am telling you that everything I'm about to tell you is the truth. Okay. And if Mordechai Ben David wants to come get some, he could fucking come get some. I'll cut out the part where you said it's true and just. <laughs> it's going to sound like this. Unless you give me five. This next part is not true. Okay. So what happened? So my dad got Mordechai Ben David. This He's a Hasidic Jewish pop star. I mean, he's like the biggest guy in the whole Hasidic Jewish. He happened to live in the neighborhood that my dad lived in, which is Seagate in, in Brooklyn by Coney Island. So he got Mordechai Ben David to come to my wedding, I mean, to, to my bar mitzvah, and sing a, a, a tune, which is like a very big deal for my dad. Of course, he's deaf. So, right. as I say in the book, he was spared the shocking realization of how bad even the best of Hasidic pop stars sound. But to be honest, this... Uh, to be honest, I've gone back and Googled Mordechai Ben David. He is pretty talented. He's got a good voice. I'm just amazed you were able to spell that when you were doing the Google search. <laughs> I grew up in this world. Yeah, but he's pretty talented. And um, so he comes in, he sings. But also, I'm from Oakland. So I'm, I'm like, I want Snoop Dogg. I, I'm not, I'm not right. interested in Mordechai. But he comes in, he sings a song. It's a big deal. Whatever. So he's a guy in the neighborhood. Many years later, um, many years later, my dad got sick and died. Uh, and we're sitting Shiva for my dad. Uh, and we're sitting around, and part of the thing with Shiva, have you ever sat Shiva? I never have. It's very, very, when you do it like the traditional way, it's like super intense. Yeah. Like, you, the, <clears throat> it's all separated into strata of grief, which is kind of cool. In fact, the thing is, I have always wondered how regular people, regular people, you know, non Jews, yeah. how they deal with grief because the Jewish system is so codified. It's almost it's helpful because you're falling apart. So somebody goes, well, this is literally how you grieve. Mm-hmm. So for the first seven days, you structure to it. Yeah, there's structure. So you can feel like, oh, well, there's some outside force that's telling me how to do this because I don't know how to do it. First seven days, you literally sit on the floor. Don't shave. Don't look in the mirror. You can't cook. You can't get up and make a phone call. You literally sit there and deal with your grief. As the people who knew your parent come by and tell you stories about that person. You're literally, if you're hungry, you go, I'm hungry. And someone goes and cooks you something. So you're just like, sit there, be, gr- be in grief. Right? Mm-hmm. And then three times a day, ten men will gather and, um, and, uh, and they will do, they'll pray. You know, a minion. A minion is like ten Jewish men together praying, blah, blah, blah. So... Uh, that's three times a day you get up and you say the mourner's prayer or whatever. So that was happening. And I was like in a daze, you know, so Mordechai ben David, one of these days, there's like a bunch of guys there. There's like, you know, and Mordechai ben David comes and he's the 10th guy, right? So he comes in he's the 10th guy and we go, okay, let's all set, stand up and pray. And Mordechai ben David, this, you know, Hasidic pop star, who's really not very involved in our family's life at all, but lives in the neighborhood and was coming to pay his respect, but instead decided to do this. So everybody stands up, ten men, and Mordechai ben David looks at my 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 uh, my godfather, um, Bill, uh, Billy, who my, is my dad's best friend, grew him since he was like 13, and he's deaf also. And he goes, no, 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 we don't have ten men yet. The deaf guy doesn't count. In my dad's house, my dead father's house, the deaf man. So he makes us wait for another hearing guy to come, which, by the way, regardless of your religious, it's it's incorrect religiously, and it's just obviously incorrect, like just common sense morally. But that's the whole thing about... Why didn't he count the... You want me to tell you? I can tell you, but it might be boring. I'll tell you. According to... What... So your godfather was deaf also? Right. Okay. So they knew each other from deaf school. Uh, so according to... You know, the minion, the reason you do 10 men is so that 10 people can say amen or amen to the prayers, right? And then that special amen, you can only say certain prayers when there's 10 men to say amen, right? Oh, so because he can't hear the prayer? Is that why? Right. So the idea is because he can't hear the prayer, he's not uh, going to say amen and then oh, it's not going to be. It's just fucking religious yeah. Yeah. garbage, right? So at any rate, this very famous rabbi at one in like ni- the 1960s said, you know what? Actually, 
It's all good. Deaf people can they can say amen because you can signal them to say amen. It's fine. They count. But Mordechai ben David didn't get the memo. Comes into my father. Even if it that's the thing about religion that's so fucked up when it becomes that rigid that you yeah. can't just go like, hey, you know what? This is bad, but yeah. common sense dictates that I'm just gonna. I'm gonna no, I'm gonna do a little nullification on this one, or just sit this one out yeah. and not yeah. get involved. You, you know, you don't even need to think it's okay. You could just be like, well, it's a deaf guy's house. I'm just gonna anyway. So in the book, I, I, I describe this scene, which is really horrible because what, what happened was what I should have done. And as me as a person I am now, if that happened to me now, if I wasn't in the throes of grief from my father dying, I would have stood up and said, get the fuck out, get out, get out, you know, get the fuck out of my father's house, you piece of shit. Yeah. But I didn't. I just sort of sat there and, and I had a lot of shame, you know, that was involved in my religious upbringing. So what I said in the book was. I should have stood up and said something. I should have, you know, you know, told him to get out. But what I did was I sat there silently and promised myself that if I ever wrote a book, I would tell the world what a piece of shit Mordechai Ben David was. Wow. So that went in the book. Yeah. And that, I hope, is the one piece of stuff that I do hope has gotten back to Mordechai Ben David. I hope that someone told him, yo, Mordechai, son. There's this comedian talking shit about oh, you. Oh, so bro. you haven't talked to him since? I thought. Oh, oh no, never talked to him. So you pretty much are full on saying he's a jerk. He was a jerk. Here's why he's really a jerk. I could almost forget. I feel like you should be allowed to tell that story. I am allowed to tell it. Legally, I'm allowed to tell that story. Why is that? Because it happened, and I'm saying it happened to me. Yeah. I definitely, this definitely happened. And my opinion that he's a piece of shit, that's not libel. Now, if I said he's a piece of shit and he fondles children which he doesn't that is like well i don't know that i'm just saying you know oh he's a piece of shit and he probably swindles people i mean that's not something that i know that's the kind of thing he can be sued for i didn't say that i don't believe that but what if he says it's not true oh well i'm happy i would be that would would actually delight me if he wanted to take me to court for saying that that didn't happen because i would just be like awesome i will finally my whole family will come down maybe you'll hear about you think he's heard about it I believe he must have heard about it at this point. He's still around? He is still around, yeah. And I believe he must have heard about it. He's pretty far off. People in the Hasidic community are pretty far off the beaten path of society. But like I said, all these Satmar people know that I made some jokes at their expense, which, oh, God, perish the thought they can't, they can't deal with. Um, you know, I believe he must. Somebody must have said there's just crazy books. This wouldn't have happened if you hired Modest Yahoo. Modest Yahoo wouldn't have done that. I know. He would have come in and been like, it's all I did good. shows with him, or at least one show with him, before he got big, and I don't know. But hasn't he sort of renounced his... He's not Hasidic anymore. I don't he? think he's renounced anything, but he he's certainly has down. cut his beard. Yeah, he's cut his beard. Which is not... But not he wasn't off. Hasidic. He became Hasidic late in life, right? Right. And I believe so did my father. I know so did my father, and I believe so did Mordechai ben David. Although that it's might not be true. It seems weird to do it late in life. <clears throat> suddenly, oh, suddenly I'm going to start wearing these clothes. Well, you know what it is? Here's what I think it is. Is this thing usually supposed to be really funny or philosophical? It doesn't matter. Here's what I really think it is. And I've seen this phenomenon a million, million times. I've, I was in AA for many years, so I've seen it happen in that way. But more, I've seen it happen in, in, in just as much in Judaism. Here's what happens. The world is, a, you, most people feel lost and confused and they need answers, you know? So people are walking around the world, they're feeling lonely and disconnected from humanity and they want answers. And a thing like religious Judaism or religious Christianity or 12-step group, it literally says, here are the answers. Right. It's, they're all here. So if you are a person who at age 35 has exhausted every resource, let's say you have, you know, so things have not, for whatever reason, you've made bad choices or you've made good choices and just never found the answer you were looking for. You're at age 35 you're, you're, and you feel like, you know, completely beaten by the world. And then, and then you're Jewish, you go to Israel or you meet another Jew and he goes, here's the thing you've missed this great 
there's been this great riddle that has been in your life and the answer has been behind has been obscured right behind this curtain this whole time it's a very intoxicating yeah. notion you know what I mean like there's a secret life that you haven't known it's like Harry Potter or Narnia I always used to read these Narnia books when I was a kid in fact most great children's stories are based on the fact that there's someone miserable a miserable child who has a secret non-misery that's been waiting for them behind the veil of illusion for the whole time that's what turned me on when I was a kid and I would read these books and I'd be like yeah 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 what if that could be me you know and so religion does that. It goes, yeah, actually, that is you. That's everybody. So come back behind this cur- this curtain. All your questions will be answered. Or you mm-hmm. just go to therapy, right? Or you go to therapy. But maybe these people have been to therapy. I mean, I, as therapy doesn't always yeah, work. No, therapy's does it? a little, it's a little more vague. Right. Yeah. And they don't want to give you the answers, right? Um, I actually believe that like most of the problems in the world are based on people's desire to know absolutely what is true. You know, like that, and that's where where religion starts to like leave the. So a guy like Mordechai ben David, right? You do in some way have to forgive him because truly, he. You, you imagine he's desperate for the answer. That's why he comes to religious Judaism, and they go, "Here are all of the answers." And if in his mind the deaf guy saying um, the deaf guy being counted in a minion doesn't count, oh, that's fine. We'll just that rule's not important. If he believes. If a religious person believes that that the the one thing that that is keeping the universe together is the absolute truth of this entire codified system, the idea of even one rule, even as commonsensical as it is, of like, oh, we'll just let this one go, that is the thread that will just make the whole thing unravel. And then nothing's true. And his whole world is based on the fact that all of these things are So you're saying that he actually did the right thing by sticking to the rules? No. I'm saying... That I understand how he came to because he can't pick and choose which right somewhat ridiculous rules. I mean that one's right. particularly ridiculous, but there's others. Is my point? There are others just as ridiculous. He can't pick and choose, or else his in his world. That's why it's better if you have a connection to religion. In my opinion, to to wear it like a loose garment and go. Yeah, I mean I'm involved in religion and I get some meaning out of it. I don't need to be. I don't need to be holding on to the absolute truth of the whole thing because when you are holding on to the absolute truth of the whole thing you'll invariably, if you're a smart, intelligent person, Todd, you are, you'll mm. invariably come up against a, a complete glaring logical inconsistency and you go, well that doesn't make sense and you'll either have to subjugate your logic sensors and move forward or you'll have to have your entire world destroyed Yeah. so, reasonable people we just we're go. reasonable, do you yeah. know I used to t- substitute teach at the school for the deaf? is that true? yes what, stand up comedy? Deaf Comedy Jam? Oh, Boom. my God. No, one's on. ever, no one has ever made the Deaf Comedy Jam joke with the different <laughs> definition of deaf. I can't believe that's been sitting there waiting for someone to make that connection. You know what, Todd? I don't appreciate what you're doing. I know. That was a little slant. That was a little dig I took at you. Yeah. It, it was a lighthearted rip, but I gave you three atomic fireballs. I can't eat them because I feel like they'll be so loud on Yeah, them. don't eat them. Don't eat them on I mean, that, this is a particularly loud I have candy. a bag of atomic fireballs. Classic candy. Um... Which I just can't resist anytime. Oh. I, yes. Oh, well, let me just wrap this story up. Oh, yeah. We'll go into comedy fun <laughs> stuff very soon. The thing that makes Mordechai Ben David worthy of me talking shit is not that he did that, although that's that would be enough. It's that then my aunt wrote him a letter. My aunt who was there, my brother, my brother's, uh, my father's sister, wrote him this letter saying, "Here are the ways that you made a mistake religiously. Mm-hmm. It's been, you've been disproven religiously by this great rabbi, but also." Here's how it made us feel. And yeah. he never responded. He just was like, nah, I did what I needed to do. Fuck that family. See, she sounds like she went to therapy because she said, this is how it makes me feel. It she, could she be. She didn't like, attack him. She said, this is what I, I she felt might have attacked him, honestly. after. That's good for her for writing that letter. Yeah, bully for her and bully for me for writing the book. What's the book? Cash on the Rye. Cash on the Rye. Cash on the Rye. And ca- Kashi on, on the Rye is about just a couple of different Jewish sensations. Was there any, did anyone from the Salinger family uh, have oh, take Oh, that I wanted. Really? Oh, I wanted them to come after me. Nothing could make me, would have made that book sell more than the I Salinger know, that would family. Have been, but, uh, you know, then they would have been like, right to parody, boom. Yeah. And boom. That's probably why they didn't do anything. I'm sure they heard about, that's the thing about a book. Everybody hears about everything. How cool would it be if, what's the guy's name? Mo, 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 Mo. Mordecai Ben David. If he found out all this for the first time because he listens Cause to this big, podcast. <laughs> he's a big Todd. He's like, I like podcasts. You know, what I like can I say? I like uh, Todd Berry. Yeah, I, I like the, the gym. I like that Mark Marin. This great interviewer, that guy. Uh, Pete Holmes. You know, he's very happy. When I'm putting on my 11 layers of clothes, I like to listen to podcasts. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. 
That would be cool. And then you'd be like, Todd, can you take it down, man? Yeah, I'd be like, no, me, man, man. I don't coming. take down nothing for no one. <laughs> has, have, has anybody ever asked you? I can't ask you this. We're going to say, has what? anybody ever said anything they regretted on your podcast? No, but there are times where um, even I will, because I sometimes will go, if there's anything you don't want, I'm not interested in making someone cry in my kitchen. Yeah. Except if it's with one of my great recipes. Yeah. I don't even know what that meant. But, uh, but there's a handful of times where I, something comes up and I'm like, that doesn't need to be out there. Yeah, yeah, we don't yeah, need to totally. be talking about that person. Like what specifically? Well, there's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the interview I did. No, there, I've had, a, we had actually last week's interview is a pretty rough interview in general. It's, do you know who Corey Holcomb is? Corey Holcomb. Wait a second. Wait a second. Who is that? He's a stand up and yeah, he's, he's very funny, okay, very brutal. He's from this like Patrice O'Neill school of um, brutality yeah. and misogyny, but still very funny. But we had this talk for like an hour where he was just like, you know, laying out his grand theory of life. I mean, he, at one point he turns, this is on the podcast, he turns to me, he goes, we're talking, he goes, come on, man, you really respect your girlfriend? I mean, it's like that, <laughs> like that level of like, and I was like, yeah, I mean, what? So anyway, he said something on that podcast that was so out of control that I, I was just like, I don't, he didn't want it cut out. I wanted it cut out. I didn't want to be even involved psychically. Are you going to tell me what he said? I mean, but then what's the point of cutting it out of the podcast? Yeah, yeah. He was talking about hog tying women when he was in. All right, let's not, well, let's not, uh, let's not go there. All right, cut it out. Should I, should I even cut out what we just said there? Yeah, but it'd be fun if you put a beep sound in there. So everybody's... Maybe we'll cut out the entire Corey Holcomb thing. That could be. It comes in at 44 minutes. Man. All right. And go. Uh, but you cut out his, you didn't cut out his whole interview, did you? No, it was a good interview, even as disturbing as it was. It was a good interview. All right. Now, should we cut the whole Corey Holcomb part? Out? I don't know. We should definitely <laughs> stop talking about whether we cut it. <laughs> That's the great thing with digital editing. You can cut it's out... It's pretty fucking easy, this, huh? This draining conversation we're having about whether we should cut the <laughs> <laughs> can be gone and the millions who listen so you, let's talk about comedy now all right you're in new york this, this is a good road gig huh this is the best road gig because i'm here i'm with my girlfriend yeah natasha legero i wasn't Legero. sure if i was allowed to reveal that no it's 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 public we were we were secretive for a while why were you secretive neither are you married no i, mean, I can see why she would be secretive oh but, come on come you on mean just because of level, imdb star rating um no i ju- i think I we were we, we didn't want it to be public before we knew it was like serious enough to like you know it's like why bother putting people in my my business until it's like okay we're really really a couple we were just dating didn't want the world to know but chelsea handler actually outed me on tv which is a little annoying she was like uh Ladies and gentlemen, so and so he'll be, you know he'll be at the so and so club in such and such city, and he's also fucking Tasha Legero. Ladies and gentlemen, Moshe. <laughs> really? Yeah. She said it like that. Yeah, wow. literally, she said it like that. So anyway, at that point, we stopped. Uh, do you guys? How many tour? You, you tour a lot together? A week do we make no, love? No, no, um, no, 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 no. It's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> no, no. Is this? Are you gonna? Is that the way you're gonna? Are you gonna always tour together? Or no. Is it just like whenever we can, or like, oh, let's go to New York because it's, it's fun and we can hang out. So far, the only gigs we've done together have been in New York and New Orleans. So it's basically been. I was just in New Orleans on this last tour. That where'd I you go? Back from. I did some comedy fe- hell yes festival. Oh yeah, that's where fun. did you play? We went to One Eyed Jacks. I d- I've done that before. That's a that's cool good place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I like so New Orleans. Any place where we want to do a vacation together? We're going to San Francisco for New Year's. Are you doing that? I didn't get asked to do that. Ouch. But I haven't done, done that in years, but I have done it. Man. I've never done That's it. That's a nice my first time. It's pretty easy. Yeah, totally. Do 20 minutes on yeah. New Year's and go get some dinner. Um, so any place where we can turn it into a vacation, we'll do it. Even people don't know. I don't know what your feeling is, Todd, because you're on the road a lot. So am I. It is so boring and lonely out there. And now you... You... Uh, uh, you you have a girlfriend. Yes, I have a girlfriend. Okay. I don't know how. Yeah, it's like it makes it even bombshell. It makes it even worse because you're like you're not out after the shows, like flirting with people or even flirting with the idea that somebody's. Know. You know, it's just like you're just goodbye. You go home and you watch a internet video or work on. A, you know. So anyway, it's nice to. This is a great gig. New York City with my girlfriend. Todd Berry podcast. Oh my god! Boom. To the fact that you're doing a podcast. Well, this is going to help your career a lot. So, why? of course, it will. It's going to help your career a lot. Yeah, because we got a probably got a big bump from the recent live podcast I did with Sarah Silverman, and Natasha Leone. Uh, where was that? Andy Borowitz, Nick Turner at the Bell House. Oh, uh, you could have had me on that. 
This was a few weeks ago. You could have had. Oh, I could have flown in. Yeah, you, I have, yeah, yeah. I've yet to buy a plane ticket for anyone to be on NAS. I some people do that though, you know. Really? Yeah, it's weird. Pete Holmes once flew me to San Francisco. Should I say that? I don't know. Yeah. Really? I will say though, I paid people pretty well yeah, for being nice. on my podcast, and I've never. I've, well, I have been paid to be on podcasts, but not like nearly as much as I throw down. Yeah, but I, I also so. was like, you know, they sold so many tickets, and right. I still made. Way more money than everyone combined. But <laughs> that if you amortize that over 30-some episodes. I mean, podcasting is a strangely unlucrative thing. Although, if you talk to Duncan Trussell, do you know Duncan? Yes, I know. Duncan helped me get this thing going. Talk to Duncan. According to him... It's very lucrative. Really? I mean, I don't, but I don't know exactly how. Do you do ads? We have ads, yeah, but even with the ads, it's not that much. It's like, I mean, I want, I'm sure like Mark makes a bunch of money on his podcast and obviously like Corolla, but according to Duncan, like, he's got this whole system. That guy's very, he's smart. He like thinks about, yeah. Yeah, he is. He thinks about grid patterns and things like that. I don't, I just like can barely show up to record my podcast. Do you so you do the do you do ads where you like you say the ad like yeah do you not do that well you, make I, you feel like a show I I don't think I want to do that but I don't have anything against sellouts like yourself do you? uh, well this was one of our you have, oh really yeah we Warby Warby, Warby Parker, Parker was glasses one. really did they yeah. give you glasses well they said they would and then they never arrived. Oh, I shouldn't say that yeah they gave me glasses yeah <laughs> do okay. I have to cut that out there no okay <laughs> that that stays. They should give you the glasses. They they would they will. They there was some problem with like the I don't know. You had some pretty fancy green glasses. Yeah, these ones are those pretty are nice. Those Thanks are like, very much. Like I think Elvis Costello would wear those. Yeah, man. He's a famous guy who wears glasses. Do you know Elvis Costello? No, I know where he lives though. You seem like the kind of guy that would know Elvis Costello. I've met him super briefly. But I know where he lives. I'm not going to tell you where he lives. I'm not going. What am I going to do with that information? You go buzz. Go by and show him my glasses. Bang on his door and go. Hi, man, I hey, it. check these glasses out, man. We're do you like have any out. unreleased masters? Although I you... did see James Spader the other day walking his dog right down the street in New York. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he lived in New York. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just walks Travels his dog with his here. Dog. What other celebrity sightings have you had? I love uh, on about this very little... trip. Any on this trip? Or in my, oh, here's a good one. Once Brent Weinbach and I. Holy! You saw Brent Weinbach. Where did you see Brent Weinbach? He's a reclusive guy. Brent and I were having uh, dinner at Swingers in in L.A. Uh-huh. And you know how they have seating on the outside on the street. Yeah. So we were sitting there facing each other having dinner, and then there's a window, and then literally right outside was um, was Mia Kunis. Yeah. Mila Kunis. Yeah. And like it was so, it was the worst dinner we've ever had together, Brent and I, because we just like one person would start talking and the other person would just like clearly not be listening, just be staring at Mila Kunis, and then the other person would go, "Hey, man, I'm talking." And then, oh, sorry. Then they'd start talking, and the other person. That's very, funny. I just stay inside. If you're that hot and famous, stay inside because people are trying to eat dinner. What was she doing? Was she eating? Or yeah, was she was she... eating dinner, trying to be like a normal person. Oh, I'll just go to Swingers. No, get your chef to make you food. I'm trying she to. She wasn't dinner. by herself, was she? No, she was. That, that would be that would be interesting. What celebrities have you seen by themselves? That's, that's always that to me is the ultimate. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. But um, I saw Ryan Gosling come into um, into a vegan restaurant once by himself. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, um, Orlando Bloom. Once I saw him alone. Simbad. I see in the airport all the time by himself. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I saw George Wallace at the airport, and I I should have said something to him. But this was before he was on Twitter. And I realized that we have a Twitter connection. Does he follow you? He does, yeah. Yeah, he follows me too. Um, Don't feel too special about it. No, no, no. I, that wasn't saying he only follows me. <laughs> he has one He follows one person. He follows just... Talk George Wallace follows me. Um, who else have I seen alone? I've seen Sam Shepard alone twice. Oh, that's cool. What does he do? What was he doing? Was he working on a play or he something? He was... Uh, he was eating brunch like on a Sunday at a place that was jammed, just sitting there by himself. I was like, "Wow!" But he's not famous in the way that people would be like. He's bothering new. him. I bet he's been bothered. He's been bothered, but you've been bothered. I've been bothered. Bothered. You know, yeah. we get stopped. But he's like, and he's more famous than certainly me. Maybe you. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like his life is severely inconvenienced right. by his fame. He could probably ride the subway. 
Yes, right. Even though I don't do that because it's just it's just too it's too much of a distraction. Do you really not ride the subway? Of course, I ride the subway. Oh, dude! The other day, I made a classic non-New Yorker mistake. I was with Al Madrigal. Oh, that is a mistake. <laughs> and uh, joking, Al. And oh, he listens. By the way, I know he's a fan. He knows I'm joking. Uh, so I was with Al and this uh, um, and um, another uh, producer from the Daily Show. We'd come from a Daily Show taping, and. Um, and I, we were running to catch the train, and it was jam packed, right? Like just like, and then I, they, I was like running with such vigor. I go, this one's open. It was like an empty car, and and they followed me. They're New Yorker yeah. people, sort of. And we got on the train as soon as we got there. It was like a dead human being stench. I mean, the worst. Oh, that's why it was empty. Yeah. It wasn't like late at night, and we couldn't get off. You know, the doors closed. I mean, yeah, I'm not I, these people who walk through like. Go to the next. Oh, car. I forgot all you about that. You can't do that. I, I mean, I guess it's that. probably safe, but I always like. I just don't know where where you're going. Just get in the car. <laughs> get in the car. Ride the train, man. I'm looking for my perfect car. Um, where are you going else? Where else? Where are you going else on the road? That, else, I'm going soon. That's a we'll terrible go. sentence. Soon, I'm going to Toronto. Oh, comedy bar. Comedy bar. I like that place. I've heard it's fun. Oh, you've never been. No. Have you been to Toronto? Yeah, I did the Just for Laughs. Uh, um, uh, maybe I was up there when you did. That was fun. I had a lot of fun. I love Toronto. That was intense, actually. I flew in at 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. My show was at 7. So I went airport, hotel, shower, show 7, show 9, show 11, go to bed, flew out at 6 in the morning. That was that was what made me feel like a comedy kind of like rock star. Like I was just like... Oh, you were there for one night? One night, three shows, seven, nine, eleven, and then just flew home. The Why next did morning. you do that? I must have had something that I had to do. I don't. I wouldn't do that normally. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, it was crazy, but it was cool because the shows were really fun, and that that, that was fun. Three shows. Yeah, crazy, but they were all good. Oh, then I go. No, you don't. Yeah, buy yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Well. Then I go to. I got a bunch of stuff coming up. I got that New Year's Eve thing. I'll be in um, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, soon. for that festival? No, I'm doing a playhouse, which I think sounds cool. What Theater Ninety Nine? No, it's called the Something Playhouse. I could look it up. Is but. it in January? Because that no. might be for the festival. Oh, maybe it is. It's yeah. like the 18th and 19th because they I'm offered that sure. to me and I couldn't do it because <laughs> I'll be in Sacramento <laughs> at the Punchline. No, there's another place. Oh, do tell called the comedy spot it's sort of like i think it's sort of like a ucb-ish thing really we'll talk about it once the camera's turned off there's, there's no camera? camera there's no camera you know what i meant anyway i'm going all over the place so san francisco so that's that is that the theater palace of the fine arts it used to be now it's at the knob hill masonic auditorium oh, man. but doug benson's there pete holmes me natasha rory scoville brennan walsh i think it'll be fun you haven't done that. I'd love to do that. Hey, man. If I can help in any way. Because the audience is always chill, and then it's just like they do this real nice, tame, champagne yeah. toast. It's no jerks. Well, New Year's is one of those holidays where, as a comedian, if you're not working, you feel like, I should be working. Well, you, I, working? I think it's the best night to work because you get more money, and also anything you need to do, you can still do. Like, if yeah, you're, yeah. You can do five shows and still, if you really want to go to a party after. Totally. And also... You know, people are always like, well, what do I do on New Year's to make it memorable? But as a comedian, you feel you should be working, so you feel like you're doing your duty. You're yeah, like exactly not? where you're supposed to be. I like working on all holidays. Christmas. My, yeah. My I'd high work. holy day of Christmas. I'd work at Christmas. What do you do on Christmas? If there's, if I can get a spot, I, I... Where do they do spots on Christmas in New York? Some of the clubs are open, I think. And then I do some of those... Jew- like, I'm doing a Jewish show on Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. What, what done- show? It's at City Winery. Oh, here in town. It's going to be one of those Jews for Christmas. Honestly, if you're a show producer and you have a Jewish community in your town and you do a show on Christmas Eve and Christmas, you're going to make fucking money. Yeah. People, I'm bored on Christmas and want something to do every year. But there's always something weird about their, like... Hey, we have to distract you. Right. Oh, everyone's talking about this other holiday. Like, well, you can still, you don't have, there's nothing wrong with going to a comedy show. But then what's the classic thing? The Chinese food. Chinese food in, in a, a movie. movie. I do that, though. I'm like a hack. Well, I know you're a hack. <laughs> no, not on Even stage. If, oh, no, 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 no. no you're, Todd. You're, and, uh, not on stage. Oh, you're talking about your accent. You oh. thought I was very quickly changing the subject. I thought to we had another hack. bombshell. Like, yeah. Oh, man, this guy's not a bombshell. This guy's going to clean. <laughs> Finally, I admit it. <laughs> Moshe, I think we should uh, wrap things All up. Right. We've, this is gone. Is there anything else you want to plug? Your special is called what? Oh, it's called Moshe Kasher Live in Oakland, uh, and you can get that on Netflix or Amazon. Now, did you m- mess around with a bunch of like more 
less straightforward titles? I like straightforward you know, titles. I liked the idea of live in Oakland because it's unusual. It's yeah, straightforward, but unusual because it's Oakland. And yeah. nobody, uh, my manager wanted it to be something like that, you know, like whatever, you know, mantastic or, you know. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, not really, but you know what I'm Most-tastic. saying. I didn't know what I would call it, you know. Uh, Boy George McFly was something that we had worked yeah, on. Yeah, I think, I think live in Oakland. Live in Oakland has a classic feeling to it. Yeah. So you got that going. Got the book. book you can get the book. Casher and the Rye. Follow me on Twitter. It's an audio book. Twitter, Moshe Casher. Yeah, man. Verified account. I'm not sure why. Uh, uh, com. Despite all of all of the, 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 the put downs, you're, you're one of my favorite guys, one of my favorite comedians. Oh, thank Thanks you, for having man. me on. Is this like a roast or something where you, you no. at the end people say, no, I, no, you have been insulting me, so it doesn't <laughs> quite work. Oh, Right back at you. <laughs> no one's ever given me a compliment, and I don't know how to take compliments. And I get a lot of Thanks, Moshe. Thanks, Todd. All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that little podcast with uh, Moshe Kasher. I don't know why I said it was a little podcast. It was a gigantic, huge podcast. Um, I have some upcoming tour dates. Not till January. January 10th through 12th, I'll be at the Riot Fest in Los Angeles. I don't know which days I'm performing. Somewhere in that three-day period. The 17th and 18th, I'll be in Sacramento at the Comedy Spot. Sketch Fest in San Francisco. I don't know if I'm allowed to reveal that, but I am. In February 6th through 8th. Then Foxwoods Casino, February 27th through March 1st, I think. Yeah. At, that's Foxwoods Casino in uh, some name in Connecticut. It's a long name. I forgot the name of the city. But uh, check me out there and follow me on Twitter at Todd Barry and ToddBerry.com. Feral Audio is they're the people who put this on. And uh, that's it. I'm all tired right now. Otherwise, this would have been a lot more interesting, this outro. My outros are always really interesting. All right. We'll uh, see you next week. Thanks. Bye. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub. Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase.